You're listening to Consolidate That. Welcome to Consolidate That. I'm Brian Leach. We've got a fantastic guest this week. Ivan, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest? Hey, I'm Ivan Zach. Very excited to introduce our guest today. Unusual guest, but comes from the rich M&A experience. Kisan Patel, thank you for joining us. I'm going to go over a um, couple achievements that you have in your background. So, so Kisan has the degree in management information systems from the University of Nebraska. He also is certified in SAFE 4, which is exciting because that's uh, what I got certified in last year. And he is a founder and a partner of Transatlantic Investment and Advisory Group. He's a member of Forbes Technology Council, and he is a founder and CEO of two startups. One is probably not startup. It's nine years old. So Deal Room as well as Agile M&A. Kisan, thank you so much for finding the time and thank you for joining us today. Hey, my pleasure, Ivan. Thanks for having me. So just by the background, I want to, to our guests, I want to introduce why we got so interested in inviting you. You have two startups in the field of M&A. What we do in the field of consolidation is really about M&A and the, the roll-ups in the vertical we're in right now is veterinary and we're looking forward to go to the other verticals, but we're specialized sort of in roll-ups. So our listeners are those that are doing roll-ups in veterinary domain. So I was very excited to, to chat with you and to start comparing things, what does it look like, the M&A in roll-ups, where it's sort of rinse and repeat, and what are those compared to large strategic acquisitions, and is there a different strategy to them, and how did you add Agile into M&A world? Because that's where I'm geeking out on Lean, Agile, and that's what we actually claim we're doing. We're creating the framework inside of roll-up and creating an Agile framework. So, Lots of questions. I want to jump in and start with what is a deal room and what is Agile M&A and how did you get there? Sure. Let's just start with that, a little bit of the, the background story. I spent 10 years working in M&A as an M&A advisor, and it was a pretty typical founder story. Saw a lot of the pain points and issues firsthand. Noticed a trend of project management software tools stemming from the software industry, entering other industries, and thought, Eventually, these large M&A transactions aren't going to be managed in Excel forever. Let's get ahead of it, create a technology platform specifically for M&A. And that was the start of Deal Room in 2012. And it was a slog. It was extremely challenging. And uh, I think we may have missed the timing a little too early. But along that journey, a friend of mine in marketing was like, hey, man, you should do a podcast. And I was like, what the hell is a podcast? Don't worry about it. It's going to be the next big thing. You just got to do one. <laughs> Eventually, I said, why not? Let's go for it. And what that actually led to was developing a platform with the goal of enabling practitioners to be able to share lessons learned. Because the bigger, when I got into the industry and the technology side, I saw this larger underpinning problem of how the industry operates in the silo. And there's a lack of standardization and really evidence in the practices that we put in play when it comes to M&A. So what I ended up doing after going through a couple of years of these podcast interviews, we published a book called Agile M&A. And the trend that we focused on was the way tech serial acquirers would utilize agile techniques in their M&A approach and attributed a great deal of their success and scale by utilizing those techniques. And that's where we found it really compelling and identified this as a potential growing trend and created a, a book around that. So that really felt a nice adjacency with Deal Room, essentially being a project management tool. Let's really get into the methodology. 
I think Alassian was another big influencer in that as well. I remember interviewing Christina Miri over there and she stopped me and said, Kisan, are, are you going to write another book? And I said, what do you mean? She's like, write more than a book, make it into a framework so other companies can adopt these practices. And then she walked me through the way Alassian approaches these ideas of agile, how it's part of their culture, but how they also use these concepts of game plan and plays so that they can really isolate these techniques step-by-step, step, make them easier to share within their organization and encourage teams to structure their own game plan, essentially defining the operating framework by which their teams operate and how they're structured, how they're sharing information, managing dependencies, et cetera. So that's kind of a little bit of the background of sort of what led from Deal Room and then into, into starting a podcast and the publication Agile M&A. Keyson, that's, that's great information. What was funny is I looked through your website and as I've learned more things from Ivan about the different things he's done, I, I thought that he might've been just following you around a little bit and, and learning some of the things that you did because there was such a wonderful parallel between the ideas we're trying to bring to consolidation and what you've brought to M&A. What exactly is the operating framework that you guys have for M&A? And can you give our listeners a little bit of background about that? We started with something really basic. The book we published, Agile M&A, introduces very basic concepts I thought it was interesting looking at your company's website. You've really took a lot of these ideas, but expanded it into more of a, a detailed methodology, essentially, you know, expelled into these little details that companies can take into more practicalities of applying it, where I feel like what we started with was very broad and loose structure with a goal of just getting people to think about Agile or understand what Agile is and introducing them to very fundamentals. So that, that's sort of what it is. And we, we always had the goal of like, this has got to evolve on its own and it's got to be contributed by other practitioners that have domain experience because M&A is obviously there's so many areas within it. There's the project management side, but then there's also every operational component which has its own uniquenesses in how you manage them. And that was the goal is can we enable practitioners to be able to start defining these other areas of practice? Have you found that people that are coming from a technology space have a different understanding of sort of your view of M&A than people that maybe are strictly private equity or from other verticals? I think generally everybody has this very typical traditional approach, the very plan-driven, think of a giant Excel sheet, mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> getting through this list, waiting, waiting getting an avalanche of things that you need to respond to then waiting, waiting. It's highly inefficient. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, just for the listeners, this is not scripted at all. We just jumping into this conversation. <laughs> I'm understanding how much of what we do is, is very similar, but our story is different that I came from the veterinary background and then built technology. And then when we came out, I realized that there's better way to do this. And because the domain is so right now involved in consolidation, there's a big opportunity. There's there's tons of private equity money, you know, veterinary medicine proven to be immune to COVID virus. So it went up since April, it went down. So so there's a lot of activity. And then we wanted to solve problems. And I said, let's not, because I built the software before for vet clinics, and then you struggle with onboarding people. So we went the other way around. I said, let's build the framework. And then once we build the framework, that will become requirements for the software. And then along the way, we said, let's start the podcast. And then now we're talking about writing a book. 
<laughs> so this is this is incredible to understand how you arrive to this sort of from the other angle and that it, at least it proves that what we're doing is similar and someone else done it and it probably is a proven path. But I'm very interested in where is the focus of the deal room? So are you focusing more on the sort of the front end and the deal flow and the like stacking the deals, putting in the pipeline, or it's more of managing one case at a time? Because as I said, you know, our the roll-ups are is a rinse and repeat process. So what is the focus of the software and the methodology? So it, it evolved. When back in 2012, our initial focus was diligence management that we saw as this troublesome pain point of doing this on Excel, highly inefficient. Uh, then from there expanded, it was a natural progression to get into integration management, where we noticed in the industry, a pain point was a knowledge chasm between diligence integration. And when that knowledge chasm exists, you essentially waste a lot of effort and resources re-diligencing the deal all over again. So that was the next one is, can we create the continuity between diligence and integration? Then probably in the last two, three years, it's been the pipeline. And can we in, in introduce and manage the pipeline and really create continuity through the stages and manage the deal through a single database so that you're not only enabling much better collaboration, but that knowledge transfer goes seamless through those stages. So that, that's been the evolution of the product in terms of markets that we've been serving. We started with the focus on investment banks. I think the challenge with banks is their incentives aren't there to really innovate and improve and create value. It's sort of a disconnect where you have one person that's selling the engagements, and you have another group that's that's executing, but they're not really motivated to drive efficiency. We found early on corporates were really the early adopters where they're motivated to make the process more efficient so they can do more deals and, and just a lot of incentives around it. Great cultures and environments to work with. And it was always interesting and in being able to get involved with different industries. And it wasn't long before we really identified consolidations were really the sweet spot where we had the greatest level of success just because of that scale and volume that those organizations are doing. You're creating this really transparent value for them because they experience every time they do a deal. And it they're iterating in the platform with their processes to make them more and more efficient. So I think that's one area we have in common. It's sort of the <laughs> area of focus with consolidators that there's a great opportunity to drive efficiency when doing them. Yeah, absolutely. And and so that's great that you're in the same even domain. You pointed out something, the problem that you were solving, the you know, the the disconnect between the diligence and integration. And then if you're talking about the consolidation and the roll-ups, then there's also further disconnect with the value creation post-integration, right? So initially you integrate and you probably, you know, get your first couple points of the the very first things when you do vendor management and some operational efficiencies that are baked in, but then we're further disconnect that we're observing a lot in the veterinary industry, at least, is that that the diligence is not really uncovering the synergies that are exact to the business acquired. It's just sort of buy anybody with a pulse. And then as you buy them, the M&A just doesn't care anymore. They got the next deal or the business development, and then the operations have to deal with it. So is that the problem that you're seeing in other domains? And is that something that you focus on solving through this data continuity? Yes, I, I like it. You're approaching it with a level deeper than we get into, where there's more of like the actual technical executions and understanding the strategies that need to map to those activities to be able to deliver that value. I would say our domain focus is more on enabling the collaboration. Can we create the environment that creates this 
alignment with team members to really clearly understand, articulate their goals and act on it. So it's that whole sense of project management. That's probably our big area of focus is just making sure this collaboration's there so their teams are able to really align and execute well. In terms of that actual directions, identifying those specific things, I think that's where our next evolution is, is to partner with practitioners like yourself that have more of the M&A executive expertise that some of these companies are lacking and really being able to, to drive that model for them so that it's a good win. So, Kassan, do you think that the both sides of the acquisition should be as invested in it? So both the, for our example, the consolidator, as well as the practice, do you think there's things that the company that's being acquired are missing out that technology or a knowledge base or a better understanding of the M&A process would benefit them? I think that's what the common theme I've seen from doing my, the podcast interviews on M&A Science is that a lot of times the target company, they don't have clarity in what happens after close. They don't really know what integration means, what what's involved. Sometimes they don't have real clarity in what the post-close plan. They may get sold on some things to know that there's a smooth transition to get them to do the deal, but there's some bad parts too. And just to be able to be transparent about it so they're mentally prepared, I, I feel like is missing. Uh, well, a really good perspective, a couple interviews I did was with Carlos Sesta, and he's 20-year M&A career veteran, started at Verizon, headed Dentsu Aegis, so a consolidator there, and now he's at Presidio. I really enjoyed his view where he would have his integration lead involved early in the process, before even LOI, where he that integration leads sitting down with the CEO of the target company and outlining a go-to-market plan together. And that that initiative to create this outline evolves into creating an integration plan that is a, a work stream that runs in parallel to diligence and iteratively evolves as they continue to get information through diligence and is deliverable by closing is this final integration plan that's typically well thought out because it's it was involved early enough he had all the time he needed. He was able to keep evolving it through the diligence process. But at that same time, he's he's got the management team involved. Like they know what's coming. They are part of that planning process. But I'm, I'm curious if you've seen anything like that or as, in terms of an approach or what your thoughts are. Well, you know, that's that's interesting. I was gonna I was gonna say that it's kind of unique in that idea that I think a lot of groups maybe are scared to start looking at the integration or sinking in the human capital of the integration prior to knowing the financials or seeing the LOI or doing some of the additional due diligence. But um, from what you're saying, it sounds like maybe that's something that the long-term benefits of that integration are going to be outweighed by perhaps the couple deals that don't go through, even if you're integrating with those people earlier on. You're getting another pair of eyes and you're just painting the vision together. And that person involved is the one that ultimately has to deliver on those predicted value drivers and what they're identifying. But then you're also inv inviting the target company to be part of it. It's interesting maybe to compare and, and, and ask you, so the specific problem that we're trying to solve for, I mean, the big problem is a lot of what the, those that you identify. But what we're seeing is that acquired hospitals, at least in the veterinary domain, everything like you describe is happening. So there's the people are sold up front on the idea of 
basically either gaining some liquidity or full liquidity of their assets. And then if they're getting partial liquidity, they're incentivized to work after that because they're not really retiring yet. So let's say they want to be in another, you know, five, 10 years of practice, but have a job rather than running a business with some benefit at the end. So the, the industry is now transitioning to these sort of JVs type or partial equity rolling into the entire consolidator. But what again happens after is that these people are still arriving to the point where they, A, don't understand that they're losing the autonomy. Like that's a big thing. And then also that it's still them delivering the value. And I don't think that the, like that's really clearly outlined. And then the bigger problem after that, that we're trying to solve for is then how do you measure success? Because you can design the plan, but if you don't have the metrics that are associated with wins, then how do you, how do you deliver on that? So so on the data side, are you digging a lot at all into that side of things or you're more, again, at the strategic level sort of helping the transition through it? Yeah, we're still more of like the, the technology company. Like here, we're here to help define and provide their infrastructure and really look and identify where are the challenges when doing the deal. So our, our conversations are typically mapping out who are the different key personas involved throughout the life cycle of the deal and understanding what are their unique pain points. A lot of this falls on, hey, we have challenges of getting different functional leads involved in the deal to really correspond with each other. Because if they're working off in silos, they're not sharing information, this leads to redundant work, it turns into more of a checkbox activity instead of connecting the dots and identifying the underpinning risks early. So that's sort of the things that we hear from the deal team. And then even from the integration side, it's always, 90% 90% of the time, I want to be involved earlier that so we could plan this stuff better and so forth. So really focusing on how, how do you create that environment for those team members to be able to work together and manage that information more efficiently. The interesting part that you mentioned about the functional leads, because at the level of organization, if you think about below the executive level, there's departments that their tasks is to create the frameworks to deliver on certain growth lever post-acquisition. And then they identify functional leads at the level of the hospital But then what happens, as soon as the hospital is acquired, then the organization, all departments throw 10 processes at them at once. And then inventory wants to establish new inventory process. IT replaces their stuff. Then they put new practice management system. And then all of that is thrown at the person that thought that he's retiring today. And then what the biggest challenge in the industry right now, and that's sort of our core, what we are trying to solve for, is that they're just leaving. And then if there's no, yes, there might be incentive for the practice owner, but then if there's associates that weren't in the deal, they were just working for this person, they're leaving. And the problem in at least veterinary domain, there's way more animals than vets out there today. And then it's hard to retain the human capital. So instead of gaining the synergies post-acquisition through, you know, certain improvements, they're losing the entire provider of their revenue. And then that becomes a completely different problem to deal with. So do you see that in other verticals where people get through M&A and then they get to a frustration point and they leave? And then it's a it's a different problem to have. Big time. I, I think there's a, there's part of it's a learning curve that... You sort of learn these things. We just did an interview about MA communication. And if you don't understand that, you sort of are going to be really vulnerable right off the bat because as soon as deals gets announced, competitors in that sector are going to look at it as an opportunity to come in, to, to sort of poach people from the company, try to pick up customers and things of that sort, which is why it's so important to have really good MA communication in place so people are comfortable with the transaction earlier instead of being in this position of uncertainty. 
there's sort of that part of it. And then I think a lot of industries do deal with similar challenges in different ways when you're running these post-close activities because it's, again, the, that whole fabled failure rate in M&A, it's sort of attributed at the end of the day to exercising all your post-close activities to hit your target valuation. So I feel like that's sort of the, the common challenge across the board. Yeah, I think that's great. I think a major takeaway that I'm going to have in, in all of our conversations with our clients on this is going to be to not be afraid to allow both sides of the conversation to happen prior when the biz dev team is still having those conversations, let the integration team exist and be part of that. Don't be scared of siloing off those those parts because there are people involved. Look at like IBM, Cisco, I think of some other ones. That's just how their M&As matured. More and more emphasis on integration up front. Some of the agile concepts of prioritizing the value drivers of the deal. I know Cisco's completely repositioned their process to get away from having all the magnitude of functional work streams doing integration to just creating cross-functional groups that really are aligned around those value drivers of the deal. There's definitely things changing in, in multiple ways to really focus Very interesting. on those activities. I didn't realize we blew through 23 minutes already. This is, <laughs> this, was, this is very, very insightful and interesting. We asked two questions at the end. And one of them is, we usually ask for, is there anything that you recently read, watched, or learned about that you would like to share? But I'm hoping that you will recommend your book. Uh, so if you can tell us what it is, where to get it, and where people can get a hold of that, that would be great. Sure. Uh, the book I published was called Agile M&A. It's available on Amazon. Pretty simple. covers the one-on-ones of Agile, but then builds the case on why it's very applicable in M&A, and then actually walks through examples, techniques that can be applied, really simple concepts to understand that I'm sure, Ivan, you're familiar with doing staff stand-ups, the backlog approach, building cross-functional teams, sort of these, uh, these uh, fundamentals of Agile. Just really good for somebody that's not familiar with Agile and wants to know that's more than just- That's awesome. Do you have anybody in mind right for maybe your previous guests or someone who would be uh, an interesting guest for our podcast to talk about M&A in our domain? Well, I think Clint Kendrick. Clint Kendrick is an HR integration expert He's sort of worked at several Fortune 500 companies. And I, I think adding this sort of people lens out of it, when we look at MA at the end of the day, as much as I can push project management tools and all these things, and we can say it's because of bad technology or, or whatnot, it's always people to people issues. So I, I think the HR view is a real powerful one that often doesn't get as heard as well. And he's just been great. He's got a book he's published as well around HR diligence. Probably Amazing. a great That's person wonderful. to have on your show. Kizan, thank you so much for joining us. This was uh, very interesting. And I'm actually hoping we'll uh, we'll lure you in one more time because that, that was not enough time. So so thank you for finding the time. I wanted to throw out there as well, Kisan does have his hey. own podcast. So that was one other thing that I think was really important to hit on. Kisan's podcast is M&A Science, which is a fantastic piece to listen to also. And any other sources of Thanks how people can learn more about what you do? Can you please just tell us the websites to go to and where to find you? Yeah, I'd say our main website's mascience.com. And on there, we have our different business lines. I think the, the more recent thing we started last November was an online academy. So it's M&A Science Academy. But that, that's been real fun and exciting and working on that. 
sort of disrupting the space for MA training and really trying to modernize it with more amazing of a yeah so yeah, anybody wants to find out more about this mascience.com and kisan thank you so much for joining us my pleasure thank you thank you so much for listening to consolidate that if you want to hear our new episodes please find us on any podcast platform also you can learn more about us on our website at vetintegrations.com 